So I want to do something a little bit different today in in the message. So don't think of this as a traditional sermon or message. I I hope that this is just me uh, just talking with you and and maybe sharing some some helpful things that I've picked up in my own uh, spiritual journey. So we've been in this message series called Anthem of Hope. Uh, over the past couple weeks where we've, we've talked about faith and hope in these uh, big, broad, kind of general ways. And today I wanted to just drill down and, and maybe focus on a couple things uh, to give us some, some practical ways to actually build and grow our hope. So how do we, how do we discipline ourselves into hope? And, and, you know, the words hope and discipline, uh, they don't typically go together. Um, however, hope takes work because in this world, we will have distress. I mean, Jesus said so himself. We live in a broken, a fallen, a hurting world. But, you know, sometimes hope can only be understood in a world that is hurting, it only makes sense in a broken world, in a world that we, we long to see healed. And so Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it, it says this. It says, hope delayed makes the heart sick. That without hope or hope delayed or deferred or, or hope that is, is distant, it makes our hearts unhealthy. Have you ever felt that way before where, where hope has been so delayed or, or deferred or, or seems so distant that, that your heart just hurts? Your heart is, is sick and it affects every area of your life. And so how can we build hope in our lives? Can we actually build hope into our lives? Can we grow in hope? Is it something that's, that's possible for us? Well, I think for us as, as followers of Jesus, we, we actually can build hope into our lives, but it, it takes time. And so use whatever analogy that, that you want to use. Hope is like that muscle that we flex that, that over time gives us strength. Hope is that thing that, that we plant like in the garden of our lives and, and over time it, it bears fruit. Hope is something that, that we have to put to work. But when we actually put it to work, it works for us and with us. And so today, what I want to do is, is I want to give you all seven things to help you practice hope. Seven, seven sort of disciplines of hope. And I know seven, that's, that's entirely way too much. Um, but if you only remember one of them, then, then that's great. I hope that uh, something sticks and, and you'll put it to use throughout this week. Um, but I'm going to list seven. And if you, uh, if you remember all seven, you're an overachiever and you want to practice one each day of the week, then hey, good for you. Um, so I'm calling these uh, disciplines um, because, well, I don't know about you, but I need some discipline in my life right now. I, I need some structure. I need some habits, some routine. And so here are seven disciplines that, that lead to a harvest of hope. Here's the first one. And, and by the way, let me, let me also just say, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on the first couple of them. Um, so if you start getting a little antsy after the first two and you're like, how long is this guy going to talk for? 
don't worry, spend a little bit more time on the first two, and then uh, we'll quickly go through the rest. But here's the first one. First discipline of hope is patience. You can't really talk about hope without talking about patience, because to hope for something is, is to wait for something. It means that we have to wait for it. Hope and patience are, are inextricably bound together. And so Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12, verse 12. He says, be happy in your hope, stand your guard when you're in trouble, or, or be patient in your sufferings, might be another translation, and devote yourselves to prayer. Be happy in your hope, patient in your trouble, and devote yourselves to prayer. But what does it actually mean to be patient? The Bible actually talks about patience in, in kind of two different ways. And, and it's not merely about just like waiting around and watching the clock and, uh, and all of that. Uh, but the first way that the Bible talks about patience uh, does actually have to do with timing, but, but sort of in a surprising way. When the Bible talks about patience, it's about learning how to accept God's timing, not, not our own. And I don't know about you, but, but that's a hard thing to do, <laughs> to learn to accept God's timing. Because I, I don't know if you're like me, but, but when I'm waiting for something, I want to know the timeline. I want to know the deadline. I, I want some tracking details on, on when it's going to arrive. I want updates, notifications, alerts as to when what I had hoped for will be here in my possession. But the hard thing is, we don't really get all of that when we're operating on God's time. It's not Amazon Prime time. So the Bible says over and over again, the, these hundreds of voices throughout generations, there's, there's like this refrain, this, this heartfelt prayer throughout the Bible of how long, O Lord, I think of Psalm 13, where it says this, How long will you forget me, Lord? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I be left to my own wits, agony filling my heart? Daily? How long will my enemy keep defeating me? Or Habakkuk chapter 1, where it says, Lord, how long will I call for help and you not listen? I cry out to you, violence, but you don't deliver us. Why do you show me injustice and look at anguish so that devastation and violence are before me? Then in times of, of hardship, we often ask, how long? How, how long is this going to keep going on? In fact, there was a time where the disciples asked Jesus that question, how long? How long until this oppressive Roman government, this oppressive Roman empire is, is going to crumble? How long, Jesus, until you take your throne? How long until everything changes and the world is made right again? And Jesus responded to them with, with something that's so fascinating. He said, you don't know the, the hour, Angels in heaven, they, they don't know the hour. In fact, I, the son, don't even know the hour when God will make everything right. 
But then he said to his disciples, he said, stay alert, be prepared. That Jesus shifts the question from how long to what do you want me to do in the meantime? What is it that you want me to do right now? Because while we cannot control the timing of things, we can control how we will respond in the waiting, in the meantime. And this gets into uh, the second uh, part of of patience that the Bible talks about. That, That patience is about enduring suffering without complaint. In fact, another way that you could translate uh, the word patience throughout the Bible is, is to uh, have long suffering. Patience is, is the kind of attitude that you maintain throughout suffering, which sounds hard, and, and it is. But I think what the Bible is trying to teach us, it, it's trying to warn us not to fall into uh, the complacency of complaint, To to not let our complaining become a habit. Because when we're waiting for something, when when we're waiting for things to turn around and change, it can be so easy to get stuck in the habit of complaining. But patience asks us to look for hope. Not that we would just gloss over the injustice. Not that we would just ignore all the hardship and and the difficulty. Not that we would let injustice rule the day and just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, too bad. But that we would speak boldly against the, the hard things of this world that we daily face, but that we wouldn't fall into despair. That we would approach them with an attitude of hope and that we would actually work to overcome the evil that we see in this world, to to right the wrongs that we see are committed, that we would wait with, with a hopeful expectation to see their ending, and that in the meantime, while we wait, we get to work. And you know, patience is possible. Patience is possible because of the hope that we have in someone not something, not some circumstance, that our hope is rooted in Jesus who is alive and at work in this world. And if we place our hope in our circumstances, then then that doesn't have a very long shelf life because things come and go so quickly within our world. But if we place our hope in Jesus, our hope will never run out. Which kind of leads me to the second one. The second discipline of hope is, is gratitude. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's a good passage of scripture, I, I think, to, to put to memory. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks to God in every situation. Do do all of these things all the time, which seems impossible for one. And also, it just kind of reeks of being a little cliche-y. Like, like this is something that, that you could see on some home decor and, and buy in Bed Bath & Beyond, and it just cheers you up a little bit. You hang it on the wall. It just sounds a little cliche. 
But if you know anything about Paul's life, then you know that this isn't just some cheeky, cliche little saying. That Paul had street cred when he was talking about suffering and hope, suffering and gratitude. Paul was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was nearly stoned to death. He was shipwrecked. He knows exactly how hard it is to take his own advice and do what he's telling us to do. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks. But gratitude, gratitude is about where we put our focus over time. To focus on the good and the pure and the beautiful and, and the worthy, as he writes in another letter. You see, gratitude is, is, is not just a feeling. Gratitude is an action. Actually giving thanks to God. That's why he says, pray continually in everything that is good and beautiful and right in this world. Go give thanks to God for that. Give thanks to God. You see, gratitude is, is the building block for hope and for joy. That the more grateful we are, the more hopeful we become. And, and hope and joy, those are things that are not based on, on our circumstance. They're based on our focus on God, who is our source for hope and for joy. The third discipline is, is this, if you're still following along. Celebrate your success. Now that sounds a little weird. It doesn't sound super spiritual. It sounds more like something that, that a motivational speaker would say. Celebrate your success. But really what I mean by this is, is to remember with gladness. So I had this uh, seminary professor, and uh, well... His class was pretty boring, and I didn't learn a whole lot from it. Uh, however, he did teach me uh, this one thing that, that I always hold on to and, and go back to. It's a, it's a practice of prayer, and he called them you-hoo prayers. And, and you see this kind of all throughout the story of Scripture, that there's this, this kind of you-hoo when addressing God, especially we see throughout the Psalms. Where we'll say, God, you-hoo blank. God, you who delivered your people from Egypt through the Red Sea. God, you who saved me. You who rescued me. God, you who protected your people. God, you who cares for your creation still to this day. It's about remembering the previous works of God with gladness. Celebrating that in, in your life and in the world and it leads us to have a more hopeful outlook towards the future. Celebrate how God has, has moved throughout your life. Remember that with gladness. God, you who got me through that dark time. You who led me to be released from addiction. You who got me through, through that divorce, through that illness. What, whatever your testimony is, celebrate it. That just as God has shown up in the past, trust that God will show up in again. Because that's the character of God. That leads to the fourth discipline, trust. Just as we sang a minute ago, I do not lean on my own understanding. My life is in your hands, God. And that's a really hard thing to say. 
That's a really hard thing to pray, at, at least for me, because I want to hold on to things tightly. It's hard for me to open up my hands and, and trust whatever it is to God, to trust my future, my worries, my anxieties over to God. But we can place our trust in God because of who God is, loving, compassionate, forgiving, wise. All the things that we find time and time again throughout the story of scripture, that 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 is God's heart. To be able to trust God with your worries and your future, knowing that, that God will make a way. That's the story of scripture. That leads to the fifth one. And, and this one is, is just really practical to get into God's word. It says in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. In his word, in God's promises declared throughout the story of scripture, that's where I put my hope. And so to practice this, well, couldn't really be easier. Open up your Bible and and read God's redemptive story of this world. That if you want to cultivate hope in your life, then, then listen to the anthem of hope that is sung from Genesis to Revelation. That on every page that you turn, there is a story of God's redeeming love that is being offered to you and to me. That's hope. And so, you know, at, at our church, super practical way that you can do this is, is each week we put out a daily scripture reading schedule so that every day of the week you can read just a couple verses of scripture to just get you grounded and rooted and connected back to God's promises and God's good story. If you want to take it a step further, you can join us uh, Monday through Friday where we uh, come together as a group for morning coffee And we just read those passages of scripture and and share as a community how the Holy Spirit is is speaking to us through these words of God. Or join a small group, join a Bible study, whatever it is, get in God's word and listen to that redemptive story that God is speaking over our world. Speaking of redemptive story, the sixth discipline is perspective trying to gain perspective. That if you've ever flown in an airplane before, then, then you know that once you take off and begin climbing, you see everything with a brand new perspective. You can, of course, see things from 10,000 feet that you could never possibly begin to see from the ground level. And so take a step back or, or get up on that balcony level where you can kind of see out And look at the big picture. Look at the big picture of the world. That in order to cultivate hope, you you need to be able to step back and see the big picture. Because it's so hard to be hopeful if you're just focused on the here and the now. Or, Or if you're just stuck living in the past. Take a step back and and look at all the good that is in 
the world. Look at all the good that is in your life. Look at your life differently. And maybe this is the most important part of of disciplining yourself into perspective and hope is to be able to look at yourself differently. To be able to look at yourself with, with maybe some more compassion and grace than you typically do when you see yourself in the mirror. And also to offer that for others. That you don't just see them in the moment, but you see somebody who is created in the image of God, who has this story that probably like yours and mine is both beautiful and tragic. To offer grace and compassion to them. You see, when we gain compassion... When we gain perspective, it it leads us to be more compassionate with others and with ourselves. It also helps us to have hope, see that things will change, that there's a bigger story than what we can just see right in front of us. And that's the final one. The final one is this, action action. Because what good is is hope if it's not acted upon? And you know, maybe another way to say this is, is that hope is love in action. And love is hope in action. To love someone is to act on our very best hopes for them. That love is, is our hope getting to work. And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's uh, at the end of a part that, that might sound familiar to you. I mean, even if you're not a Bible person or a church person, you've probably been to a wedding before where you've heard the words, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, and it goes on and on. It's this beautiful thing. And then Paul says at the end of that passage, this thing that's just very profound, how he talks about hope and love. He says this, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There's that whole perspective part. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And do you know why love is the greatest? Because love is faith and hope in action. And so let me just end with this question. And, and, and really, maybe it's a challenge for you to put into practice this week, to put hope into action this week. Who do you need to love today? Who do you need to love throughout this week? And maybe the person that you need to start with is yourself. That'll change your hope. Maybe it's someone else. But if you want to see hope, then love. Love deeply. Love generously. Love genuinely. Love. Let me pray for us. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for the God that you are that you help us 
to remain hopeful. Lord, because you are so good. God, sometimes when we have a hard time seeing seeing you at work, seeing the good in this world, seeing not the good in ourselves. Holy Spirit, call us out. Open up our eyes. Open up the eyes of our heart, O oh God. Help us to see the world differently. God, we ask boldly that you help us to see the world as you see the world. Because Jesus, that's what you came here to teach that when we begin to see the world, when we begin to see others as you see, that changes the way that we live, changes the way that we act, changes the way that we walk. So God, give us your eyes through your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, help us to walk in your ways. Help us to walk boldly with hope into the light of your good future that you have for us. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.